Hello everyone, this is Archie Waterworth, live from the studio. Only joking, it's not in person, but this is my third show for Fresh Air Radio, which is very exciting for me. And I've got another guest with me today, and this time it's a friend from Edinburgh University, and she's just released a new track on Spotify, which is an, an absolute belter in my view, and I've really enjoyed listening to it and really looking forward to discussing it more with her. So I'd like to introduce to everyone Lottie Thomas. Hi, Lottie. How are you doing today? Hello, Archie. I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. It's very exciting. It's an absolute pleasure. I think a good start to the show would be for you to introduce your track and then we can chat a little bit more about it after everyone's listened to it. Sure. Okay. So my track is called Shelter. It's my first release. Uh, and yeah, it was written mid lockdown, recorded at home and I decided I'd like people to hear it. So yeah, it's been on Spotify a few days now. Uh, yeah, let's, let's hear it. Excuse me, do you mind? If I sit here for a while, I need a place to pass the time. Forgive me, but do you know? You remind me of a friend who went his ways a while ago. And I'm sorry, cause I know I'm going on. But do you ever feel like time's concealed the route you used to walk on? With an emptiness that fills you all the time All you wanted was some shelter from the reason and the rhyme I've heard it said There's no shelter from a storm inside your head hours by the sea You too I'm ashamed Cause I've searched for silver linings and a person I can blame There were times when I thought I could win But then out amongst the skyline crept the night and I gave in to the clicking and the crashing of the day And the unrelenting urge to pull myself away But like I said, there's no running from a storm inside your head Thank you, it's a saint Who stays behind to listen while the moon is growing faint It is you, you're the friend who they stole away from living Guess you came home in the end It's like you said Where's the shelter from a storm Inside your head Guess I'm weathering a storm Inside my head But I'll wait For it to pass With you instead Yeah I'll wait for it to pass with you instead. Lovely, lovely opening song from Lottie there. That was Shelter, written and performed by herself. Mid-lockdown, which is always always good to show a little bit of productivity during lockdown. How, how was lockdown for you from a music perspective? Was it, was it uh, a good good amount of time to be able to sit down and write a song or was it something you've been planning uh, many years or months before the lockdown was imposed well uh, I've been writing songs for a few years now that's the first one that I really wanted to put out there I wouldn't say I think a lot of people found it very hard to be creative despite the fact that lockdown was just one massive lump of time I think um I mean, it certainly wasn't one of many, many things I did in lockdown. It was very much a specific moment. And um, it's just something I, I kind of found and, and wanted to 
to put together um but yeah it was yeah it was fun to do it was uh just good to have a project I'm not very good at sitting still so to be able to just really focus on something and see it through to putting it out there has been really great I'm glad to hear it. it is always satisfying to have a project completed and when it comes to something you really enjoy it's even better when it yeah. comes to writing your songs uh how what's your process do you write the songs first with no intention of what the music will be like or do you have something in mind straight away musically and that combines well with the lyrics is there a little process or is each song completely different I mean, um, it's kind of different from song to song. I think this one definitely started with just kind of wanting to have, yeah, actually kind of you know, a bit of a meta way, wanting to have sort of focus. And it starts with the word, excuse me. <laughs> and kind of imagined with it just a couple, like, you know, a couple of people and just one person kind of confiding in the other one and just pulling them aside because everything was so mental over lockdown but at the same time nothing happened and there's this weird contrast between all this activity and the kind of disaster but then you're sitting on your own home and really it's really hard to compute so yeah this started with that idea of just a kind of conversation uh and then it, it kind of developed I mean I only started learning guitar in lockdown so I had quite a limited <laughs> number of guitar um riffs and kind of sequences uh under my belt so I wasn't, you know, sport of the choice with what to put it against, but I really wanted it to be a very simple song because I wanted their focus to be on the lyrics as a conversation. So that's how this one kind of came about. Um, uh, yeah, I think other songs I do tend to, I play piano a bit more. I tend to just sit down at the piano and uh, play out a few chords and not turn to a sequence. And then it's about matching up what the words are saying with how the music feels and bridging this gap between those two mediums to get some sort of meaning across that you can't in another form if that doesn't sound too knobby <laughs> so yeah it was a mixture definitely I'm really glad that from a creative aspect it has allowed you to learn the guitar but also making it into a little conversation was there anyone in your your household at the time that gave you advice on exactly where the conversation of the song was going or did you think it all no. came from your own yeah well I I'm very I don't know I find it I was a bit scared to be honest because I hadn't played any of my songs to my family or friends before because I'm a bit of a control freak and I want everything to be as I you know finished and done and packaged before I show it to anyone so it's actually a bit of a weirdly big step (laughs) to then finish this song on a very rough recording and then and then show it to my friends and family um so yeah no I didn't really have any advice uh from close family members although I don't know I've I've grown up my my uncle has written music all his life and he's been really um lovely very helpful and he gave me his old guitar a couple months back which was really exciting so I think yeah definitely the, the creativity is something that I definitely share with you know family and friends and I think I mean my mom's an artist so you can kind of the different creative processes for different types I think are quite similar and I think possibly that's where any sort of advice came from but it was pretty much me just sitting in my room with my guitar and then squeezing squeezing a song out which um was really interesting and really fun I thought uh yeah that's great it's so funny that you just sort of hid away in your room not giving away I know it's a bit sad really (laughs) <laughs> it is it's not, it's not sad at all I think it's quite funny it's sort of you're like some yeah. weird kid is busy concocting yeah. some amazing musical sound yeah. but how did you record it then you said it was a rough recording was it because of the the how you just sort of came up with it over lockdown it was like you just learned the guitar or was it because yeah. of the, the equipment you had yeah so I basically what I've done with that and anything else I've written is I'll record a version of it on voice memos and then I'll listen back to that once I've got a sort of one that's a couple of minutes long, uh, you know, if I'm going somewhere like, you know, on the bus or, well, obviously this didn't happen in lockdown because no one was going anywhere, but um, I'll listen to it and then I'll pick out things. I think I'm a bit of a harsh critic, so I'll then pick out things that I don't like and then I'll come back and do, you know, two or three or five or 12 more recordings of the same thing uh, and tweak one each time. So that was on a kind of voice recording, literally the voice memos on, on, pho- on my phone. Uh, but then uh, about a year ago, 
I invest in this like home studio kit that was recommended by a friend who records all, all of his own stuff from a, he's in a band called Lucid State and they said that that was a good thing to start on if you wanted to get kind of better quality uh, so I had that at home and I pulled that out and um, yeah that's the recording that you hear on the track actually um, we recorded it all on that and then took it to a studio when I was back in Edinburgh to have it mastered and mixed um, so yeah it was a kind of insight into the tech side of it as well which I found quite interesting too because on the one hand you're doing all this creative stuff with you know pulling lyrics and tunes and parts of the you know guitar parts together and overlaying bits and then you have to package it into a kind of you know a, a product basically if you want to put it out there it's got to be flat packed into a kind of thing that's mastered and mixed and then the weirder thing is then I was talking to you about this the other day like trying to promote something that is really just a kind of conversation and you know I find self-promotion very weird um but yeah it's, it's yeah oh, I agree it's uh the self-promoting has always been something which it shouldn't be something you really should enjoy. It's something which helps get it out to people that would you'd think would like to listen to it. I think that's yeah. how it should be viewed. Do you think yeah. that's something you keep plugging away at or are you going to be able to just let it ride the wave and sort of not have to focus too much on it? Um, I mean, well, that's kind of part of the parcel of me uh, wanting to get it out there. First of all, I wanted people to hear it because I found it as a song, if it's not too narcissistic, to say very helpful to focus my thoughts in such a weird time to just listen back to that song, which has quite a calming, like centralizing message, but also to see whether it would get the kind of response that it would be if I wanted to pursue more music in the future to put it out there again. And actually, you know, there's some very lovely people out there who have been giving the song, the song a bit of a listen. So I think I will be carrying on plugging away at the old Spotify uh, if I for future releases. Um, but I kind of, yeah, I, I think now that I've done it once, I think you can, you can spend less time thinking about how you're going to get it out and more about what you're going to put out. If that makes sense. No, definitely. Before we talk about that a little bit more, Lottie, I thought not only you would have a a new song of yours, but also any Mm. songs that you thought that are interesting you as well, just from a listening perspective. Um, would you want to introduce the track you wanted uh, everyone to listen to? Yeah, well, I recently discovered, rediscovered an album that I realised was kind of playing the whole time when I was younger. My mum's a massive Joni Mitchell fan uh, and I listened a lot to her earlier songs uh, on album Clouds and also Blue, um, A Case of User, really a big favourite. But there's this uh, album called The Hissing of Summer Lawns, which I think is about her seventh, eighth album. Uh, It came out in 1975. And the first track is it called In France They Kiss on Main Street. And I wanted to play that for you today. Hard-edged eyes 
and his steady hand He paints the cellar full of ferns and orchid vines And he hangs up above a five-piece band He hangs it up above the jungle lovely Joni Mitchell track that was in France they kiss on Main Street is she an inspiration of yours or just someone you like yeah she absolutely is I mean where to start with Joni Mitchell really because she she started as this kind of folk acoustic singer in the 60s hippie movement uh, and has had this amazing life I think she got pregnant when she was at art school and put her child up for adoption which has been a source of a lot of her music but this wasn't discovered until a lot later she kept it a secret while she was famous um but she kind of goes from this very acoustic sound at the beginning to this album which is you know not even halfway through her career um where she just meshes all these different sounds together from different places so another track on the album the jungle line which is the second one is the first uh kind of the first recorded use of a sample in a song so, you know, you think about all the music now that uses samples um, across all genres. She's used, she uses this, um, um, yeah, it's a sample from the Burundi um, Royal Drummers, which is like a field recording, and she just loops it around and around and around it's, um, and like has this soaring, like beautiful voice on top of that. And it's kind of similar in France to Kiss on Main Street and a lot of the other songs, and she meshes all these different kind of genres, uh, like the one you just heard. She's got this kind of bluesy bass, uh, but then mixes it with a very choral, very kind of like um, rich vocal line as well. And I just love that mix of all these different kinds of inputs and at the same time having the most amazing lyrics. Like if you look up, if you look up the lyrics of the song, it looks like a poem in and of itself. Um, and she has this very clear cut kind of sentiment across the whole thing even though it's so complicated so yeah she's a massive inspiration really um and also the fact that through it all she insists that she's a painter first she does she paints all of her um album covers most of them anyway um and that this is her like secondary hobby is <laughs> kind of amazing uh so yeah no she's probably my favorite artist although I always say favorite and then regret it later because I'll think of someone else but Joni pretty high ranking on the roster I have to say She's a bit of a show-off to say that her singing second because it's pretty yeah. pretty iconic, a lot of her music. It's quite interesting when you mentioned there that a lot of her music was 
um, or a lot of the source of her inspiration was through the adoption of her child and having to give it away. Mm, yeah. Speaking to someone last week on my show who was just talking about how it is difficult when you're sing- like writing songs where to draw the inspiration from because yeah. a lot of people haven't been through a lot of the traumatic experiences that a lot of amazing singer-songwriters have been through potentially before yeah, I was having this exact same conversation the other day with someone. Um, I think it's very interesting. I mean, I think with Joni, this event in her life, she doesn't write about it explicitly apart from one song called Little Green, which is basically code for the fact that she called her child Kelly and there's a colour called Kelly Green. But the lyrics were for years, people mulled over them, they had no idea what they meant. So she doesn't exactly talk about this perfect, like, this exact, sorry, this exact event which happened but there's this kind of melancholy to a lot of her music which I think is rooted back in that that's just my interpretation but yeah this idea of where to get inspiration from I don't think you need to have been to hell and back to feel emotion generally (laughs) as was why um that was my kind of my conclusion to that conversation I had the day the other day on this question I think different people have different measures of what they feel to be important to them and that dictates what kind of emotions they feel and the level to which they experience that um I don't know I mean a lot of people talk about this much more than me I'm reading a book but at the moment by Zadie Smith do you know Zadie Smith yeah it rings a bell but tell she's me a, more I want to hear she's a brilliant author she's written loads of uh, really insightful books uh and this one I'm reading my is one of her essay books which she wrote in lockdown uh, it's called Intimations uh, and all the profits from it are going to COVID related charities basically in America to help people out who haven't got access to proper healthcare which is a pretty amazing project from her but it's all essays that she wrote while she was in New York which is where she lives over lockdown and one of them one of the things she talks about is um relative suffering in she she compares privilege and suffering as two very different entities because we talk a lot about relative privilege and how a lot of people have more privilege than others but suffering happens regardless of experience is what she was saying so you could have someone from a very hardcore background who actually as a result of that is a lot more emotionally resilient and therefore they can go through more and almost have less of an emotional response to it but you can have also someone who basically has a very cushy life who feels a lot or maybe has certain you know I don't know mental health issues or will react really badly to things that happen to them it's not like you know emotion and feeling upset this is the case we're kind of talking about now and feeling uh, having this kind of yeah emotional source of inspiration is not allocated depending on you know how how bad your situation has been I don't think. I think it very much depends on personality and where you decide to place your emotions, if that makes Definitely. any sense at all. I am waffling now. I can see the little line on the recording love- thing just wiggling up and we down and then it's just like a flat line. No, we <laughs> waffle there. Fine. What I would say on that is uh, it's similar with happiness as well because when money, when you separate money from the equation, happiness is something which like you know privilege is not experienced by everyone but happiness and suffering is and so i mean they they obviously they've done lots of studies on it but yeah it's an interesting point when it comes to inspiration for musical sounds and lyrics mm-hmm. i think it would be too sweeping a statement to say people who have suffered maybe less on the surface mm-hmm. um are the only way yeah. is the only way to write good music i think it shouldn't hamper anyone because at the end of the day you can be an extremely talented writer and that can transfer mm. into music, can't it? So, Definitely, but also I think... Sorry, what was that? Would you say you're more of a writer than with your singing or do you think it just comes really nicely together as a two? Well, I don't know. It's kind of like what I was saying at the beginning and that I think the reason why I wanted to write a song rather than just a piece of instrumental music or alternatively a poem is that there's a kind of there's something you can access with both at the same time lyrics to a song that you can't get in any other medium and you can only say so much with the words but you can also only say so much with the instruments and by putting them together I mean 
perhaps my song's not, you know, the most complex example because it is just, you know, guitar and, and voice. But yeah, I think you can um, merge the two in a way that creates something uh, very unique and appeals to a very specific emotion. Um, and I think maybe that's why, you know, a lot of musicians who have been through a lot of um, suffering maybe find it very therapeutic to kind of um, pin it down with this mixture of language and sound because it's hard to access in any other way. Um, I think it's quite think interesting. It's definitely a good point because also during COVID as well, it's a very unique period in human history in a way. And exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, able to write and create on something so as you said, which was a sense of calm, but also at the same time a huge sense of chaotic yeah. existence on its, its I mean that's here. the thing, is we don't really have the vocabulary to describe what's happening now because it's never happened before at all. I was t- I was talking to my sister the other day and we both just watched this documentary, The Social Dilemma, which has just come out on Netflix. Um, oh, yeah. which is brilliant. But we were both saying how weird it was to see a film with footage of COVID and you know commentary on covid in it because it's now part of history and nothing like that has ever happened before so um yeah it's this huge thing that we have never really had and people are trying to work out why they feel so kind of out of control and so weird a lot of the time um i don't know i I found music quite a, a good way to sort of get through get through lockdown and try and put my thoughts into uh, containers that would help me Definitely. I think when it comes to music as well, music provides a sense of normality as well compared to mm, definitely. the outside world. And also writing down your thoughts and being able to make it into music is actually pretty special. It's quite nice. to. I really like just the little lion shelter, just the shelter inside the storm inside your head. It's just a very simple but an also very effective line, which I think a lot of people can instantly relate to. Because... I've had some very nice, um, yeah, I've had some lovely messages from people saying that that, that line appealed to them as well because it's all self kind of self-inflicted and a lot of the time when you can't see the problem I mean without being too on the nose like with COVID you can't see it but you know that everything has been affected by it and it just feels like this whole stress is just happening inside your head so um, I think that has appealed to people which is really lovely to hear because that's the whole reason why I wanted to put the song out is to hope that people might be able to relate to it and that you know even better they might be able to step back and think about it in a slightly different way um so yeah no thanks thanks very much it's great yeah well i was just thinking with everything that's going on there's not many chances for gigs and live performance is that something you you know oh i would love to i um yeah i i did um i mean i used to do a lot of performing when i was younger and it was and i loved it loads but since since leaving kind of school and coming to uni there aren't so many you know opportunities for that or the last year there was a few um open mic nights that they did for the the um the theatre performances at Bedlam Theatre at um Edinburgh Uni in all these different pubs around um the town so and those were really fun to perform at and I absolutely loved it so I would yeah I, if anyone's holding a gig after lockdown count me count me in because I would love to um but yeah Archie you do your your live gig yeah I've seen you at those are you yeah, missing it a lot? It's oh, it is and it isn't. I think there's a, a very widespread uh, similarity in performance and mm. dealing with. I guess mine is the way I'd view it is you don't. Sometimes you have less of a plan, maybe. And I guess mm. with people that have written their own music, they know at least a, a general order. I mean, it's a bit of a guess from me, but when I view DJing, it's more of a on the spot. A lot of it is yeah, planned. Reading the crowd. You have to read the crowd maybe more so mm. than perform because they're seeing you and they know what they're getting out of you. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there's no there's no set list with DJing. You've just gotta gotta go for it. That's it's you're a very specific well. skill. Sorry. So I was just saying, you're an actor as well. How different is being an actor to performing live at a gig? Is it synonymous or is it something which you can kind of use skills equally? Um, well, I think there's a lot to be said for the similarity of both because you're what obviously you're there to entertain but also you have a, a some sort of script I mean you either have the song that you're singing that has been pre 
written or you have the yeah the show script but the big difference is that with singing you're being yourself and with acting you're trying to inhabit someone else's personality so I think singing is almost more difficult because you have to find some sort of bridge between what you're singing about and your kind of entertainer personality almost like you can't because you've got to show it off and you've got to you know make sure people are having a good night but also it's about stuff that is based on your own emotions so I find it kind of intriguing I mean I haven't I've never performed a song that I've written live but um performing songs that are about that I can relate to I think it's different from acting I don't know that's a great point just the thing about emotion or conveying your own emotions whilst you're a singer it's, I guess it's more genuine in some ways um it's a great point that and I think before we hear another song of yours that you wanted to choose what are your plans and ambitions for the next tell me more oh okay uh yeah I mean I I would love to do um yeah more writing and I I've been kind of thinking about that more and more in those last few days as the response has been really nice to the one song I have put out um I think I'd love to do some more performing in groups. I think um, that I know there are quite a lot of key musicians around Edinburgh, but I uh, uh, sort of yet to find a, a group of people who really want to, uh, you know, form a band or something. Because that would be an amazing thing to do next. So yeah, I think listeners want to want to form a band. Hit me up. Um, but yeah, that would be the next sort of stage, really. And obviously, live performances would be great when they're back. But um, I'm gonna crack away at the composing I think I think I like to do a bit more on piano because that's the instrument I know more uh I think that's all I can say for now to be honest I haven't got anything else more concrete than that I'm afraid it's been a real pleasure having you Lottie I hopefully we'll see you soon you're away at the moment so we miss you dearly oh thanks Archie (laughs) yeah Um, London's London feels very normal actually I was just um uh yeah just walking the dog and it feels like it was sort of this time last year to be honest which is odd. I mean, I didn't go inside anywhere, inside any cafes or anything. So I know what's it, that's where the restrictions hit, but I don't know. I want to say it too soon, but it feels kind of normal. Good. Before you go, could you introduce a track that you wanted to play? Um, that would be great. Oh, yeah. I'm going to uh, throw you this one. So I, I'm a bit of a fan of Discover Weekly because it gives you stuff even otherwise listen to. And this song came up. It's actually a Beatles track. Um called Julia but it's a very specific recording of it by John Lennon and it's called Julia and the four slash two rehearsals if you want to look it up um but it's yeah it's John Lennon playing the same song twice one of it he strums it and one he picks it and he's just constantly chatting to the sound engineer who's uh, recording it for him and it was just really nice to hear such an iconic guy's voice and how he feels and he said he says oh it's a really difficult song to play and this and that and just getting a little insight into a Beatles recording session I thought that was really lovely so yeah there you go is it better standing up you think <laughs> it's very hard to sing this you know Hunt. yeah Maybe I should strum it first, huh? Half of what I say is meaningless But I say it just to reach you, Julia Julia better like that I can sing it better but I can't play it better I'll just try picking it again but slightly faster
careful what I say is meaningless But I say it just to reach you, Julia 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 Ocean child calls me So I sing the song So that was Lottie Thomas, and she just picked her final track there. So it was great to have her onto my show. And I thought I'd mix it up and get another friend on from Berlin, who is a keen music head. He's been really exploring his skills as a pro- producer in techno and also soundscape music for films and for moving images, which is also really exciting. So I thought I'd get him on for another chat. And his name's Louis. So Louis, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Archie, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. How's it in Berlin at the moment? It's actually, um, right now we've gone into a sort of mid-lockdown. There's a limit of six to ten people. Um, All the clubs and bars have unfortunately closed uh, at 11. So uh, it's limiting, but I think it's still probably a lot better than most places in England right now. So I'm very lucky. No, you're probably right. I think up in Scotland it's a little little bit strict. Nicola Sturgeon's making it a little bit stricter, which is yeah. understandable. But um, before we chat a bit more, could you? I thought we'd just go straight into your first song that you wanted to play, just to give yeah. people a little understanding of what your soundscape music is like. Sure. So um, the first the first track, uh, I call it, it's part of my Sonic Architecture series. And uh, it, it's basically, um, it's based around uh, studying uh, a certain building. And it's normally about change of function. So if the building started off, let's say as a bank and now it's an art gallery or if it started off as a radio broadcasting station, now it's a university. I take these buildings, I learn about them, I study their context and history and then I make a little soundscape.
not a thirst fight to fight a player, Skipper. Yeah, Steve on. Okay, boys, okay. Bump door open. Hello, Bombardier. Okay when you are. Bump door open. Bomb door open, So that was one of Louis' soundscapes, productions from his sonic architecture. Louis, which buildings in particular are you most interested in when you're trying to create the sounds that reflect their style? So um, in this particular example, uh, I use this church, um, which is kind of in the central, central, central part of Berlin. Um, it was uh, bombed during the Second World War. Uh, the, the whole spire was uh, destroyed. But instead of uh, refurbishing the building, they decided to add this kind of modernist extension. So all the windows are kind of uh, blue uh, pane glass. It's very beautiful, lots of space inside. A, mu a much more modern building than it used to be. Um, and so I decided, I went inside, I took some audio recordings inside, kind of scoped it out a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I then decided, I came back and sat down. I found some archival recordings of... Uh, RAF pilots who are in the middle of a, uh, a firefight and they're dropping bombs and then I kind of I like I mixed it in with some synth elements and created an arrangement it's amazing man I think it's so good that you're taking your music production to a different direction what what got you into the history of all these places was it a certain person you met out there or was it because you finally settled into Berlin life after a, a year or so there that you kind of felt you needed to explore the history a bit more yeah well i mean to be honest in terms of modern history berlin is so rich i mean the city's been rebuilt like at least twice i mean you had after the second world war pretty much the whole whole city was flattened and then um after the wall came down the, the whole east part of berlin opened up so there's so much to discover here as a city and i'm just exploring it through music and making compositions around it and i think i think there's so much still 
I need to discover and find. So, yeah. It's very exciting, mate. Do you have a, a partner with you that does the filming or do you do the filming as well? Um, I no. So, so for the moment, I'm just keeping it with sound because it just it keeps it simple and I don't get too distracted. But eventually, when I take this series further, I've, I've done already done a few um, other drafts. I'm going to definitely work with uh, a kind of visual uh, videographer, director. I'm not too sure yet. I'm not too sure if I want it to be filmed or maybe something slightly more conceptual with uh, visuals and uh, and effects, stuff like that. Um, but I think the for this project specifically, the aim of it is to be shown in a gallery and you can hopefully tune in, put some, put some headphones on, maybe watch something. And you're, you're kind of given your own space to really kind of soak it in and hopefully understand maybe what the kind of the cultural history or the social context was at the time. Yeah. No, it's exciting. Where do you get all the sounds from? So you said you talked about REF bombing, sort of noise yeah. effects mm-hmm. coming in into your soundscape alongside your more modern s- sounds. Tell me a bit yeah. more about where you found, found those. So most of the recordings on there I've, I found from from online, uh, like YouTube. Uh, there's some really good documentaries out there. You can kind of rip the sound. And I like to I like to manipulate sound a lot as well. So I like to raise the pitch, lower the pitch, slow things down, speed them up, you know, not just ripping it and then uh, using it in my tracks and then, you know, saying it's mine. I, I like to take it and manipulate it and then see see how I can manipulate it. And, you know, especially in this track, I use uh, panning quite a lot. So if you've if you've got like headphones on, you can really hear um, two different sides. And if you shut your eyes, maybe it can even sound like you're in the aeroplane. Um, so it's using kind of binaural, uh, a kind of binaural system to, uh, I, I, guess, I guess, place the audience in a, in a kind of, in a scene, you know? Definitely. I think it's really nice. A soundscape for me is what I've always been looking to find in museums and things, because obviously vis- museum seems to be on the surface all about visuals because everyone's like, oh, let's go to a museum and see this. But I think it'd be a really interesting market and just an interesting idea and concept to be in a space where your focus is more on the sounds. Is it? Do you always require people to try and close their eyes when you listen to the not music? Necess- or I you- mean, it's, it's, it's not a necessity at all, but I think I completely agree. You know, when you go to a museum, you, you see objects and maybe you watch a video, but you rarely sit down and like immerse yourself in what, what, what it sounded like back in the day. And so I think it's definitely something worth... Uh, you know, investing some time into because then it kind of create it re it kind of re kind of um, it, it redefines your experience at the gallery because you can you can hear it. You know, imagine if you could taste what what it was like fifty years ago, or you could feel what it was like. These are kind of senses we kind of forget about yet they're so important. Definitely, I think the senses. I think humans are also very good at listening in some ways when they have no other option to. We, we get distracted visually very easily, but I think if we really sat down and were able to really give your production, your soundscapes a proper listen, it would allow us to use our imagination a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's opening up the imagination really. And you said that you've done most of them in Berlin. Have you ever tried doing a soundscape for London? So that's the thing. I think for this first series, I'm going to focus on um, a city at a time. So this one's Berlin. I've already chosen a few other buildings uh, around, around the city that have interested me in terms of, the change of function um but obviously there are, there are plenty of buildings and cities around the world that have got super interesting rich culture so that's the that's the kind of beauty of this project is that you can take it and dump it anywhere you want around the world and then essentially explore the history so it's interesting mate because what i find weird is how do you go about what's your first step in just creating a soundscape because trying to put sound into a visual perspective must it just sound a little bit confusing for someone who doesn't know as much about the production side of things. Sure. So um, my, the first thing I do is I kind of try and come up with a narrative. So the, in this, uh, in, the, in the one we just heard, that's um, uh, the story is, well, yeah, the, the, you start off in the, in the, in the plane and then the bombs drop and then there's this kind of uh, quite melancholic synth moment and then it kind of fades away. So the narrative there is, destruction and then this kind of holy moment um so I, I i try and think of a little sort of story within the building in a moment of time and then i kind of illuminate that with sound i definitely agree i in my my view with all that is when you imagine 
when you just have sound, it tells more of a story, in my opinion, a stronger story than just one image. Obviously, a moving image in film is has all the package with the visual and the sounds. But would you say that it offers more of a story to just a still life? It's a hard question. I mean, um, it's the type of question filmmakers have been uh, questioning this whole time, really. I mean, when you have a movie, is the is the soundtrack uh, informing the emotions? Is it uh, is it just there to as a background? Um, you know, there are some really good movies out there that don't have any soundtracks and it's just dialogue. But then there are other movies where you you if you watched it without the soundtrack, it wouldn't be the same. So it definitely plays with your emotions a lot more and in a much more subtle way than video, I think. I remember you sending me quite a, a cool video of you just recording sounds of cars passing you down. I think it was like a tunnel in sure. a motorway. Yeah. And tell me like how what's the quality like of the recording and how you can transfer it? Well, um, so in that specific case, we're, we're getting a recording. So we went to this tunnel in the center of Germany. Um, this is a huge 400 meter long tunnel. And as you come out of it, there's this massive dam. So it's this really weird moment where you're, you, you enter the tunnel, it's really loud echoey, and then you come out and you're in the, the biggest, most open space you've ever been in. And so um, I was with my friend Wei, and we decided to do a little recording of all these big gas guzzling cars and motorbikes driving past. Um, and we have this little instrument that um, we've been using where you basically have uh, a portable speaker, which you then plug into an audio recorder, but you plug it into the wrong hole. And so when you click record on the recorder, it starts feedbacking and then you can move both objects further or closer to each other and it creates different sounds. And if you put it on a, a surface or material or if you put it against a wall, it starts echoing slightly different ways. So it's a, a sort of unique, it's a unique sounding instrument that is, it always sounds different wherever you are and in whatever space you are. That's brilliant. I'm quite fascinated by the technology people have now. Have you learned that, sorry, in the, the college you've been at in Berlin or was it something you've learned on your own time? No, no, it was inspired by my friend Wei who, um, who showed me this. It's so simple. You just need literally a, like an aux cord, Bluetooth speaker, doesn't matter how big and then just a recorder of any sort and then once you've got that you just click record and it starts going um but the the the, so the final uh piece which we'll probably hear is the performance it's called the feed from the feedback ensemble which i'm part of and we've done a performance uh we did a performance a few weeks ago which uh it was basically five of us all doing that at the same time in this uh in this big sort of garden space and as uh, it was about half an hour long and as as the time went on we all moved closer together and there was a kind of audio recorder in the middle which we'd all end up being right next to so it's a very kind of immersive piece slightly screechy i mean feedback isn't one of the nicest sound but there are moments where it's, it goes from sounding like sort of Jimi hendrix all the way to spaceship all the way to just horrible screeching so very versatile I like that. I think it takes, for an audience to hear that, I think it takes quite an open music mind to be able to enjoy that because it's not sort of melodic in the sort of classic mainstream way. So I would be very fascinated to hear a lot of the different sounds that you've made with your mates. So I'm looking forward to hearing it in person sometime. But I thought that would be a good place to um, get in this performance. So I feel like we'll finish up with that for the rest of the show because I feel like I want to talk a bit more about your other sort of production side in another show because we've got, yeah, yeah, you know, we've got loads of yeah, time yeah, yeah. in the future. So, um, yeah, if you want to introduce that a little bit more before we uh, we leave you. Obviously, it was a quick chat, but it's always yeah. good to hear your voice, mate. <laughs> you too, mate. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, this is by the Feedback Ensemble. It's me, four other friends, um, and we're using this instrument that uh, was kind of – it's very simple, as I've already explained – and as time goes on, we kind of created this slightly graphical score. Um, so we all start kind of as a big circle and there's an audience sat in the middle um, with speakers like on each side, you know, for all four corners. And then as the time went on, we'd all move around this garden space and then slowly move orbit around this field recorder in the middle where and then eventually end up all next to it, um, blasting this kind of weird uh almost otherworldly sci-fi kind of sound um but yeah it's, it's, it feels almost like a ball of energy so maybe have that in your mind when you listen 